Hello, and welcome to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister host, Elizabeth Connor. And I'm your brother host, Thomas Dempsey. And you will have to forgive my voice, because I have allergies. Yeah. What are you allergic to? Just pollen? Yeah, just pollen. Yeah. I don't think, I guess autumn's a time for that as well, maybe because of all the weather. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm always, like, more thrown off by springtime, just, like, when super wild. And, you know, but, uh, I genuinely cannot remember the last time that I lost my voice due to, like, allergy symptoms. Like, whenever I've lost my voice in the past, it's always been from, like, or in the last few years, it's always been because of, like, overuse yeah. So, like, you know, my voice will, like, I'll start to lose my voice, like, maybe a little bit, like, the first week of school because I've gone, like, the whole summer without, like, talking and having to project my voice. Uh-huh. And then you come back to school and you have to do those things and you're talking for, like, six hours a day. Oh, boy. Mm. Your throat hurts a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I can't think of the last time... It was for me. I, uh, I'm sure I got a little raspy when we had the coronavirus last year, but um, as far as like a full-blown like strep throat situation goes, it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Well, I'm sorry you've been dealing with that. You've been uh, doing anything to help get over it? Not really. Um, just trying to stay hydrated. Uh, sure. Also, I've noticed, I've also noticed that, like, tiredness plays into it some. So, like, Mm. the more tired I am, the quicker my throat will dry out. Oh, sure. And that really stinks because, like, almost every night this week, except for last night, I have just, like, randomly woken up in the middle of the night. And I haven't been able to get, like, a full night's sleep. And so I've just gone, you know, I've just been, like, exhausted. Oh, that sucks. Have you tried doing that dineural sleep uh, schedule or whatever it's called? Where, like, you sleep in four-hour batches twice a night? Um, no, I haven't. Okay, it's just this, I guess, thing that crops up whenever you study, like, sleep research or things where apparently for a long time civilization was such that uh, people were accustomed to sleeping in those little uh, chunks mm-hmm. I guess every evening every night I was about to say so that's, they, that's like the whole like first and second sleep right yeah kind of okay. I think so yeah and uh, I've never experimented with it myself although I did um take a good nap yesterday evening after to get over a headache and then uh didn't need as much sleep after that mm-hmm. so you know then i had one night where i was uh playing xbox and finished up and looked over and oh it's 3:30 in the morning yeah so yeah that's been happening obviously we've been getting a lot of rain that's making work a lot of fun to do i bet yeah but uh i get around all right car's been holding up uh did i tell you i've made my final payment on it the other week you did not but let me tell you what like dad made sure dad made sure to let me know (laughs) oh sorry oh man but therefore uh, i just uh (laughs) I figured with not not knowing how uh like the whole student loan repayment thing is going to go next year uh whatever I could do to take care of this for the time being you know you know handle it while I can so Yeah. Yeah, was able to knock it out in a few months. And uh now I've got got this car and uh check engine lights still on don't know why but uh just keep at it yep 
Yeah, no, so, but like uh, he was so proud, and I'm just like sitting there on the phone with him, like listening to him regale me with your accolades. And I'm like, you are just further perpetuating the joke that I don't necessarily think is a joke anymore. That like, <laughs> that like t- Thomas is the good child. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I have anything resembling a reputation, it's because I do like very little to upset the apple cart, as it were. <laughs> uh, I am quite the homebody wherein the home is my room <laughs> these days. So, not exactly. I'm, I guess, I, I guess, I guess, I guess that's in one way you could say I'm like the Pope. Uh, <laughs> just sort of remain cloistered and then show up and wave and everyone <laughs> cheers. Uh, well, I, I, uh, you don't say. You ready to talk about books? Well, I need to talk about some trauma first. Well, I, th- I thought we just did. <laughs> no, that's like a joke. This is like for real. Okay. Alrighty. So, um, I don't know. I. Okay, before I get into this, like, how into TikTok culture are you? Uh, well, I actually did start us a TikTok, by which I mean I uploaded a little snippet of last episode and then mm, nothing else. But uh, I've been, I guess, look, been looking into it. And of course, I browse TikTok more or less, but I don't really, I guess go down rabbit holes mm-hmm. as it were I just sort of follow I just look into whatever pops up on my feed which yeah. I guess is how it's designed it is um, so have like how so do, have you gotten to the point where like you feel like you understand like TikTok culture mm. maybe sort of okay um And so you know about all the different sides of TikTok, right? Sure. There's like, you know, there's like gay TikTok and there's um, book talk and there's cleaning TikTok and there's cat talk and, you know, there's all the different like quote unquote sides of TikTok and some are better than others. Um, Well, I have been on cleaning TikTok for a long time, like months. Um, Okay. And then a part of... And then this account started to come up on my For You page. And it is a girl who, like, she, I think she, like, left a bad situation. And so she finally, like, got an apartment for her and her two kids. And, like, she was so excited about it. And then she goes and she moves in. And there's a roach infestation. Mm. So now, basically, like, her, like, that is all her content on her Facebook page is like or not her facebook page on her tiktok account is what she is doing to get rid of the roaches wow and so it's really really important in tiktok to go into the comment section of videos um and so i've gone into the comment section of a couple of her videos and you start to really realize like how detrimental like having insects and vermin and stuff in your home can be for people's mental health Mm -hmm. and i mean like just reading through the comment section on her different videos like you see all these people who are like i have ptsd because i grew up in a home that was infested with roaches or um because i grew up in a home with that you know was infested with with roaches like now I do X, Y, and Z because of the trauma. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, my apartment is not infested with roaches. Thank God. But you know what we do have a problem with that is starting to, that I'm sitting here going, I might have, I might develop some PTSD from this. What's that? We have a problem with ants. Oh, not ants. Yes. Ants. Um, oh boy. Brian call or like, you know, I was at work the other day. I called Brian on my lunch break. Brian tells me, um, 
there was ants in the trash can, which we keep the trash can in the laundry room because of the dog. Um, mm-hmm. There were there were ants in the trash can, um, and they had also gotten into the open bag of cat food. So oh, we're gonna have to buy more cat food because the ants got into it. And then like I find ants in my car, I find ants in the bathroom, I find ants like sitting here tonight getting ready to record. I was just like sitting here with my laptop on my lap, my phone in my hand. I'm sitting here reading and like two or three ants like just crawl across my arm and I'm like, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I was a. And, you know, we do what we're supposed to. Like we use the ant spray. Um, You know, we do what we can or like, you know, we try really, really hard to make sure we keep the animals away from it so they don't get poisoned. Um, But like we do what we can Sorry, one of my cats, like, decided to go open a door, and I thought somebody was breaking into the apartment. Um, Oh, okay. But, like, we do what we can with these stupid ants, and they won't go away. That sounds like a super thing you need to look into, like, with the, whatchamacallum, landlord? Well, and you see, they won't, like, our particular property rental place, like, they will not do anything about ants they're just like well if you have an ant problem then you need to like practice better hygiene or whatever that sucks and i'm like it's not you know it's not a hygiene issue it's a they're coming into the house like they're coming into the apartment and we're pretty sure they're in the walls right so and we haven't had freaking carpet in our dining room since november of last year so they still haven't got that fixed? No. Hey. So anyway, rant over. Alright. Oh, rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't think I can top that. Uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to go. Okay. You want to hear about some books? Yeah, let's talk about some books. All right. Well, you've got a challenge to talk about this week, but before we get into that, did you have any other books that you wanted to to, uh, get into? Yeah, so I read um, five books um, in the the interim since our last uh, episode. One of them was the book that I had to read for my challenge, um, and the other four books were are from the uh, are from that like Scottish um, generational romance series I told you about last time. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, the Great Scots. What's it? Yeah. So now I am, and how the and how basically like it's all one timeline, but like each generation almost is broken up into different like sub series. Yes. So I'm on like the third sub series now. Okay. And I think once I get through this sub series, like I'll be caught up with where the author is like actually producing books. Okay, so who's this new generation? Um okay, so part of the book, well, it's all still like the kids of the first generation. It's just now the focus is kind of shifting from being um, just on the estate, it's now shifting to uh, the family members who are also a part of like the local mountain search and rescue squad. Okay. So that's, that's what kind of de- so that's what kind of delineates uh, the second and the third subseries from each other. Yeah. So even though like the generations are the same because it's still talking about the kids of the first generation which was covered in the first sub series the now the sh- now the focus is on the the relatives who are a part of this like or who are a part of the search and rescue squad so anyway um the last i guess like the one that i want to talk about the most is the last book of the second sub series um what was it called like stubborn spark or something and it is and it it is a romance novel about a thruple okay 
and it was it's the longest book I have read out of this whole like out of all of the series um it was like 95,000 words and that's because like there's a lot of talking that happens which I guess is I mean a lot of talking has to happen for any relationship to be successful but when you're but when it's a relationship among three people instead of just between two people like a lot more conversations have to happen right and the whole time I'm reading this book, all I could think about is that episode of like House Hunters from HGTV where they yeah. featured the thruple. Did mom make you watch that? Yeah, no, I never saw it. Okay. Mom told me about it. And so then I went and found it. I forget where it was streaming. I think it was like Hulu or something. So I went and found it and watched it. And like, no lie, they probably said the word thruple like. 87 times in 27 minutes yeah i was wanting to say is that like a preferred like nomenclature or is that just something that is like i don't know just caught on i think it's something that just caught on and i think it's kind of to the discretion of the people who were actually involved in the relationship so like in the book that i read Um, They never refer to it as a thruple situation. They do refer to it as a threesome, um, or they refer to it as multiple partner, or having two partners, but they don't actually use the word thruple. Yeah, I'm familiar with the term polycule, from uh, like what media I've experienced as like engaged with it seriously. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, thruple always felt a little twee. Yeah. Yeah, and this but, book never uh, were... like threw that out there, and I feel like the author, who up until that book had has and and since that book, or at least what I've read, has only dealt with like, you know, cisgender heteronormative relationships. Um, okay. And then you get to this book, and I got to tell you, like the writing is stellar. Like I feel like the conversations that they have with each other, like regarding questions about sexuality and questions about um how does our relationship like fit in with the modern narrative like i feel like those are very very important questions that she addresses in this book okay i was very impressed yeah that's kind of neat seeing like you feel like you're getting a sense of the author sort of developing their voice across the course of the books yeah and i i have got to say i have been so so the author of all of these books, her name is um, Jolie Vines. Um, yeah. And I have got to say, like, I have just been super impressed with everything she's written. Um, she's very consistent in her details. I've only caught, like, one or two little mistakes that, and because, like, at this point I've read, I don't know, 11 books sure. by her. Um I'm like, if you only make two mistakes out of 11 books, that's impressive. Sure. Um, but she's very consistent with all of her details and with, like, family relationships. And if there was something that has happened in the interim for a family in the background, she's very, very good about getting you up to speed without shifting the focus of the narrative of that particular book. Yeah, that's, that's good. I gotta say, I'm super impressed. Highly recommend. Alright, and what was that series again? This series is like Wild Mountain Scots. The one I just finished is... I can't remember. That's fine. Alright. I just know it was the second one. Right. Wild Scots, that's what it was. Wild Scots. It's Wild Scots, because the first sub-series is Mary the Scot, the second one is Wild Scots, and then this one that I'm working on now is um, Wild Mountain Scots. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, I've got a couple books to talk about this week. I started several others in the intervening weeks, but uh, I've only gotten around to finishing two. Uh, the first one was fairly short. It's a book called Ask Iwata. It is a collection of writings by the late Satoru Iwata, who was the uh, CEO of Nintendo 
from the early 2000s into the mid-2010s. I passed away in 2015, I want to say, of cancer, but he was the one guy who oversaw the launch of the Nintendo DS and the Nintendo Wii. So, and like even going before that, he was an instrumental figure in franchises like Kirby and uh, Super Smash Brothers and a bunch of other stuff like that. So, throughout the course of his career, he'd um, like submitted like writings and interviews with various publications, and this book is essentially just like a uh, assemblage of those writings, like grouped along like thematic ends, and the whole arc of the book is sort of a, uh, a memorial to the guy in the wake of his death, and. Uh, because he had, like, a fairly rich following among, like, Nintendo fans as being, like, this very open and energetic sort of presence within the Nintendo Corporation. He would participate a lot in their, uh, like, media, like, appearances and um, announcements and such. So, when he passed away, it was, like, fairly, like, notable as far as these things go. And, uh... This is a book I'd caught in wind of um, that I thought sounded interesting. It's pretty short. Uh, it's only about like a little over a hundred pages, uh, with some fairly generous margins. But um, yeah, it's a really nice read. Uh, I think because there's like a a, a lang that language barrier can result in a bit of uh, rep the repetitive. Um, uh, digressions wherein he'll like sort of like re-emphasize a point uh, here and there in more or less the same terms but apart from that uh, I feel like it's a fairly good read for anybody who's interested in like game design and game culture and stuff like that so okay. I was happy to read it um, and the yes so so real quick have you seen the TikTok of the kids' uh, reaction to um, the announcement of the newest Super Smash Brothers character? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't think I've seen a specific TikTok, but I've certainly seen a fair share of uh, reaction videos. Uh, how did you react? Well, I I reacted. I, I was scrolling through TikTok when I came home from work one day, and I saw this kid. He's like a high school kid. Uh, like I guess watching the live announcement yes and he like freaked out I mean he's like screaming he's jumping up and down he's like hyperventilating I think at one point he was crying and then when I realized who it was I was kind of like oh yeah because like we have a fun uh, for those listening who weren't in the know um Recently, they announced the final character to be asked added to the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate roster, which is like Nintendo's premier fighting game franchise, which is at this point notorious for having like dozens of playable characters. And over the course of the last several years, they've been adding additional characters to the game. And this latest one is going to be the last one for this iteration of it. But uh, it's the lead character Sora from the franchise Kingdom Hearts which is a game that me and Elizabeth have some exposure to as that was one of the first games I ever got when I received a PS4 for Christmas back in uh, I guess the early 2000s it would have been it couldn't have been a PS4 no no I said P did I say PS4 I meant you PS2 said, no you said PS4 because I was like no the PS4 came in when we came out when we were in grad school yeah no I was I was my head was in the wrong place I actually uh yeah I just misspoke but no the PS2 uh, which we got as our first real DVD player yep there might have been another one before that that just did not work because that was like the wild west days of digital media didn't did, wasn't our first one like one of those like DVD slash VCR players? Maybe I, I don't know. I I feel like I remember it being one of those uh, things where it's just like a plastic tray. Yeah. That 
and then you can hear it like rattling around in there <laughs> as whatever yeah. mechanisms on the inside spin it about. Yep. But strictly speaking, I think our first DVD player was our PC. Because I remember yeah. watching stuff like uh, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail on that. Yep. Um, yeah. But, but then yeah, we got so the play- PS2. Go ahead. And that was our DVD player for the better part of a decade. Like, you were using it up until your time at uh, your last school, I remember. Nah, I was still I was still using it when I moved to where I live now. Right. Like and not necessarily recently... this apartment, but this town. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a it's been a storied presence. And, and um, um Yeah. Like I would come home from school and I would ask you, Hey, could you play that game? Because, like in my head it was like like watching you play it was so entertaining. It was like watching yeah, well, a TV show. Yeah, it's basically just like an anime in video game form. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and for those who don't know, Kingdom Hearts was uh, Disney's collaboration with the video game company Square Enix to make sort of an action role-playing game where you would play, like, spiky-haired anime kids and they would team up with characters from the Disney movies to overcome the forces of evil. And there's been, like, 13 games at this point. There's a lot of really sort of interesting, if not unhinged, uh, like recap videos of the full franchise up to this point. Because mm-hmm. there's like three mainline titles and then like nine ancillary titles that are used like as sort of like connective tissue between the three. Mm-hmm. So it's it gets pretty out there. But um, anyway, Sora was sort of a popular fan theorized character going back to like the early days of character announcements for these games and uh i think a lot of people were pleased to see it and um yeah i uh need to go in and just sort of get whatever download packs they have for the uh unlockable characters because i haven't really gotten into those much since they started doing them i just I, like, played Ultimate for a good few months and then uh, sort of fell off. But, uh, oh, huh, that's weird. I guess I got a notification or something. Anyway, oh. so uh, what were we talking about? We Okay, we were talking about Kingdom Hearts and mm-hmm. Sora. And you saw TikTok. And I was, talk- I was you... talking about uh, the Nintendo book, the uh, yeah. Iwata book. Yeah, because you'd asked me if I'd seen that, and I yeah, had. yeah. Okay, so that was that. That was a fun tangent, and uh, we've been talking for the better part of half an hour now. So I think it's probably high time we took a break. But when we get back, I'll have another book to talk about, and Elizabeth will have one too as well. Yeah, and uh, we'll be seeing you in a minute. Sounds good. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. When we left off, I was uh, finishing up one book and starting in on another. Uh, The second book I finished in the last two weeks, which is certainly the more substantial of the two, was this sci-fi novel by the author China Mayville. I'm actually not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. It's uh, M-I-E with a... uh, accent over it v-i-l-l-e so i'm thinking mayville or something like that but the title of the book is called embassy town and uh it's a sort of far-flung future sci-fi novel set in a uh human colony on this um i I don't want to say it's an unnamed planet because presumably it has a name but so much of the world building detail of the novel was like densely packed that I sort of let certain details fall by the wayside as I was reading through it Mm. and so I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what if the name of the planet is ever laid out but they just sort of call the place where the story is set Embassy Town and it's a kind of um so it's a kind of sort of like what this name would suggest a kind of not like 
kind of uh, not better than a slum, but not quite a city. Um, okay. On the outskirts of this alien civilization. And uh, the book itself is about like this character named Avis, who is uh, a native to Embassy Town, who grows up there and uh, has a history there and then leaves as a uh, sort of a transporter explorer type who um, is actually sort of like a revered position given like the danger of space travel amongst Uh colonies and the importance of the work of like sending ships back and forth but uh, anyway it's the story of her like going out uh, seeing the galaxy uh, getting married to a uh, a sort of like alien linguist who is uh, interested in the culture and the language of the native inhabitants of Embassy Town. So, mm-hmm. so in a move that is uncharacteristic of people who move away from Embassy Town, Avis and her husband move back so that her husband can study uh, the native culture and what that native culture is are these aliens who you sort of gradually come to have a picture of them as like insectoid horses mm-hmm. and uh they're called the areki or something again i'm sort of uh blanking on the names uh that, not having them right in front of me but um they're a species of alien who whose mode of discourse is just known as capital L language and the way that they communicate is to have two lines of communication simultaneously because like all the Oreki have like two different mouths that they speak out of at the same time and so whenever humans try to communicate with them they're just like are unknown to them as like sentient beings like they can't understand us they can barely even recognize us as being like alive so Mm -hmm. what humans have to do to communicate is to um have these translators called ambassadors who are basically clones functionally they're um two people who either through genetic manipulation or like uh physio like by birth or like various uh scientific alterations are able to share in a sense a a a group identity and effectively communicate simultaneously with the Areki in their native tongue and uh there's a lot of like world building and uh pontificating on the nature of language in the book because an early uh aspect of Avis the main character is the fact that she is what is known in Embassy Town and to the Areki as a simile, which is to say that she is literally that. Um, the way that the Areki language works is they cannot formulate abstract concepts. So uh-huh. whenever they need a referent to help facilitate language, they need to have it happen literally. So... Uh, in accordance with that, they will often in, like conscript humans to act out like certain scenarios, which mm-hmm. they can then later refer to o- over the course of their communication. And then these humans will go on to like be the embodiments of that truth that they are then speaking. So, Avis is a simile, like, when she was a child, she was taken into a uh, gathering of a Areki and was made to act out a scenario that the Areki could then use to be, like, literally a simile for various situations and circumstance. So, so like, on that pre- premise... Obviously, a lot of the books, like Higher Concepts, has to do with conceptions of language and of meaning, and of expressed Mm -hmm. meaning and of shared meaning. And uh, where that really gets sort of interesting in a dramatic sense is when various uh, 
conceptions and meanings start to break down. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting thing about this book, as it was uh, sold to me, was that the inciting incident doesn't really kick in until about maybe a third of the way through the book. And so mm-hmm. for like the first hundred pages, you're just getting like, like world building and character interactions and stuff like that. And the actual like nature of the inciting incident of the story is kept pretty vague until about maybe halfway through. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty dense book, but um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, not sure how strongly I could recommend it to people who just fall outside of the interest for that kind of like speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. But uh, it definitely goes to some interesting places, and I was really satisfied with where it wound up. Again, like uh, last week, this book I uh, sort of finished in a sprint. Um, I think maybe today and the last couple of days is when I got through the most of it. So I was really, uh, really pleased with that. Once again, that was Embassy Town by China Mayville. And uh, now did you want to share with us your final book? Yeah, so my final book was for my challenge um do you want to remind our listeners what my challenge was well in the spirit of the spoopy month i assigned elizabeth to read a horror novel uh specifically one outside of the purview of like your joe hills and your stephen kings basically seek out more of a niche or uh less known horror writer to read about and uh, Elizabeth, what did you look up? Okay, so my so the book that I selected um, actually came to me from a public library's TikTok, like recommending this book. Okay. Um, because I am now a part of Book Talk. Uh, like as in you know a lot of that kind of content comes across my for you page um, I net na- like a bunch of public libraries have started their own TikTok accounts where they offer uh, research suggestions um, and they also offer book references or book That's suggestions cool. yeah so I guess in the spirit of Halloween they came up with one um, and I was watching it and it was like Anyway, and and I was watching it, and I was like, I think I actually own that book. And I did, so I went into my Kindle library, and I own the book already. And, um, yeah, I own the book already. And so I just, just, I was like, okay, well, I'll just read this. Um, And so the book that I read is called Horror Store. Okay, yeah, I've heard about this. Grady Hendrix. yeah. And for some like, reason, I thought it was, like, a newer book. I didn't realize the copyright was, um... I didn't realize the copyright was, like, 2014. Yeah. Well, is it, uh, um... Is it native English? Yes. Okay, because, um... I feel like my understanding of the premise of the book led me to believe that it could be, like, a translated work. Yeah, and you know, and I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of the marketing for the book like makes you think that, but then you start to kind of, and then you start to read it, and you're like, oh no, this is just you know, corporate America. Okay, so what? Tell us about it. Okay, so um, everything I've or like all the suggestions and even the TikTok itself is like. This is a horror novel that takes place in an Ikea. It does not take place in an, in an Ikea. It takes place in an Ikea ripoff okay. called Orsk. Mm-hmm. O-R-S-K. And, like, the book is very clear that their store is not an Ikea and that they are, in fact, a cheaper version of Ikea. Okay. Um, But anyway, so... The book is, so that's where the book takes place. And um, I feel like Hendrix does a really good job 
of like setting up and describing like the whole setup of a store, which is set up almost identically to an Ikea. And so if you've Mm -hmm. ever been to an Ikea, you can imagine, you can imagine what this place is like. Um, And like when, and like, if you read the blurb, it almost comes across as like, this is a horror comedy novel. But it's really not. Like, there were no funny moments. Oh. Okay, you know what? I take that back. There was, like, enough funny moments to, like, not take itself so seriously. Um, yeah. But. Oh, gosh. Who's the. Oh, the girl's name is uh, Amy. So the main character's name is Amy. And she works at Orsk. And, like, she had transferred from one Orsk to a different one because she lives like halfway in between the two. She's not getting along with like the assistant store manager. So she's just, you know, she's put in for a transfer. So she's just trying to kind of like fly under the radar until her transfer can go through um, because she doesn't want to be fired. Yeah. And so um, the assistant store. And so anyway, like weird stuff is happening in the store. Like, the, the ID scanner won't read um, a, a sofa. There's a sofa that has been like really, really messed up and has to be like thrown away because it looks and smells like somebody changed a baby's like very poopy diaper on it. Mm. Um, you know, and, th- and just like other weird things have been happening around the store. And so anyway, she gets cornered by her assistant store manager and he's like, I need to talk to you. So anyway, she goes up in this meeting with this other lady and she's like, well, he has to speak to me too. And the other lady, her name's like Ruth Ann or something. She's like a model employee. Um, Like she's like the best. So Amy goes up in there and she's just like, I don't care if you fire me, but you're not going to fire her. Like she's the best employee ever. And the assistant store manager, manager is just like, what are you talking about? I'm not firing either one of you. Um, He's like, what I need you to do, <laughs> I need you to stay in this store with me overnight so we can do patrols and see where the vandalism's coming from. Right. And I will give you double overtime in cash at the end of the shift. Okay. And like this assistant store manager, his name is Basil. Yeah. Um, you know, like the plant. And he is very, like, by the book, you know. So I'm sitting here going, this doesn't add up. Like, how can you be so by the book, but you're also, like, doing an like an illicit overnight shift to try to catch, like, vandals or whatever. Yeah. Well, and then it does kind of go into, like, Stephen King-esque territory because you find out that like this particular store was built on the the former grounds of a you know of like a prison with like a really messed up rehabilitation system um and and then spooky things start to happen and the whole time i read it i'm just sitting here going i want them to make a horror movie about this so freaking badly (laughs) Yeah, because I'm sitting like here a... and I'm like, I feel like if they made a horror movie about this, like using this concept, I feel like they could almost make it better. Okay, so how it... did you feel about the actual book then? So I, I really, really like the actual book. Were there things that Hendrix could have done better? Yes, absolutely. Um, because there was a point in the book where like these two other characters who do work in that store, like they just show up and they're like, we're here to be ghost hunters. And then, like, they just kind of disappear, and you never hear about them again. And it's like, no, you could have done so much more with that. Um, But, like, no, I actually really did enjoy the book. I didn't think it was super, super gruesome. Yeah, there was some, there was, like, one, like, really gross moment that I was like, Brian, let me tell you about this. Um, But overall, like, I did enjoy the book. Okay, well, I'm glad for that. And I wanted to make a movie about it. Yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting. I don't know what predates what, but um, that uh, the 
premise of the book, you know, haunted Ikea, basically, uh, put me in the mind of this thing I'd been turned on to by a friend of mine called the SCP Foundation. Are you familiar with this? No. All right. Well, what the SCP Foundation is, is a uh, collaborative writing wiki, which is basically just like a group sourced uh, fanfic around like various like cosmic horror concepts that people will write Mm -hmm. and one of the more famous ones that i was at my sort of my entree into it was a story very much like that about a uh an ikea unstuck in time seemingly Uh the concept of the story is that you're reading these journal entries by this guy who went to an ikea and then couldn't leave like, every time he would try to find the exit, he would just get lost. And whenever he'd try and, like, venture out into the store, it would just seemingly stretch on forever. And then he'd encounter other bands of people who had also gotten lost in there. And they had to form camps and stuff out of, like, materials that they found around the store to avoid the staff, who are all these, like, faceless monsters that just roam the store at night and will, like, attack you on sight. Okay. So there's, like, concepts like that, and it seems like a lot of people have done really interesting things, like audio plays and animatics uh, of these various stories that you can look up. They Mm -hmm. all just have that SCP Foundation branding on them. So uh, if Horror Store piqued your interest, and you, I guess a lot of these have more of a fatalistic tinge to them, there's like, uh, I guess, a, there's sort of like a, uh, if you're f- at all familiar with the concept of a creepypasta, like an online horror story, mm-hmm. then that they're sort of emblematic of that. But uh, yeah, that's what it sort of put me in the mind of. Okay. Yeah, yeah so uh, we've been talking about our books. Now, do you want to talk about our words? Yeah, let's talk about our words. Okay, we'll get into it. Uh, do you want to start? Or actually, no, I need to catch up on mine, so I'll go first. Okay. Right, so, I didn't have my words sorted out last week, but I've got them all sorted now. And uh, as I said last week, I read As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner and Iron Widow by Ziren J. Zhao. This week, I add to that Askawada and uh, Embassy Town by China Mayville. And uh, totaling those four books together, I go from a word total of 3,058,369 to 3,375,517 currently. Okay. Now you. Now you. Okay, so in the interim, um, I read five books... For a total of 405,540 words, um, which brings my current word total up to 7,426,174 words. Okay. Okay, I've got it now. All right. So there was, uh, okay, you, I have, and cut. Okay. Are you ready for your next challenge? Yes, I am. All right. Well, this is a challenge I've had sort of percolating in my head for a while now. And uh, it sort of came to mind out of uh, the observation of a relatively recent trend in book titles. Uh, If you're at all familiar with the tendency for books these days to have like like titles with prominent numbers. Like books that uh, just feature like... Like the the numeration of various things in their title, mm-hmm. kind of in the way that it seemed like every book, for a couple years, had like some woman doing something, like the woman on the train or the woman in the window. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah, well now there's been a train a trend of number books, like books with prominent numbers featured, and one instance of that was especially entertaining for people to remark upon, in that it was sort of a no country for old men there will be blood style interchangeable 
title-ness about it. Uh-huh. And so, my challenge for you uh, this episode is to read these two books. The first book is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. And the other book is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Okie dokie then. And you'll have to tell me which is which. What do you mean I'll have to tell you which is which? Just to sort of like keep them separate in your head. Oh, okay. Alrighty. You know the Seven Husbands one um, I've actually seen on Book Talk. Apparently yeah. it is... Apparently, it will emotionally destroy me. All right. We're looking so forward for to that. that. <laughs> and uh, I have a copy of Seven and a Half Deaths, if that's something you want to borrow, though I imagine most libraries will probably have it as well. Right. Sure. So that'll be, that'll be fun. And uh, that pretty much does it as far as the... Uh, docket is concerned everything need addressing uh do you want to tell folks where they can reach us yeah so you can reach us um on facebook twitter instagram i'm assuming tiktok yes and there's a new book app bookish app called literal club you can reach us on, on, on those five social media platforms at Your Words Podcast. Um, you can yep. also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can email us at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you about books. I'm You uh, as well. Looking forward to another couple weeks of not reading as much as I should have. <laughs> Yeah, but I hope you get your voice back, and uh, hope to have you in uh, fighting shape for next time. Yeah, hopefully by our next episode, my voice will like be back to normal. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, but while we've got you uh, encumbered, I think it's only appropriate that you send us off. <laughs> okay. And so... really put some stank on it. Really put some stank on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, just like, yeah. Um. Bye. Bye. Is that good enough? That's it. It'll do. Okay, it'll do.